Hey, 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 who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 341. Yeah. Welcome back to another week and another episode. I hope you are keeping safe and well. I hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who... Relatable. Related. Related, indeed. We're it's using un- some new equipment and <laughs> I'm just... It- to the side of me it's saying I'm 90, 94% uploaded what does that mean <laughs> I'm being is, uh, uploaded to the system listeners yeah this is like a Cybermen I'm 94% kind of, uploaded it says yeah 94% wow. upgraded oh my god what has Gary got me into he's tricked <laughs> me into some conversion upgraded thing I, I don't know what's going on yeah yeah yeah. so we're, we're trying some <laughs> new tech this morning so it might be a little bit up and down we'll see it mm, sounds good so we'll far see. but we'll see yeah. It does, yeah. So I hope you are keeping well, our dear listener, Doctor Who fan. You've had uh, you've had a good one. And um, if you're new to the podcast, I'm mentioning this stuff because if you're new, this is your first time stepping aboard the TARDIS and finding the Big Blue Box podcast, then welcome, of course, welcome. We've got some really cool episodes that just went out. And if you're joining us from the, the one of the Grizzled Ancients, from uh, your long-time <laughs> listener, then welcome back as always. It's great to have you all here. Um, we haven't got much news to go through at all this week. It's very, very light. The only thing that was funny, dude, was um, there was, uh, I think it was the Radio Times or the, the uh, another UK newspaper, I can't quite remember, really scraping the barrel for Doctor Who News. So it was an interview with Matt Strevens, I think. Yes, yeah. About yep. Jodie Whittaker. And essentially it was a case of what's <laughs> Jodie doing now that she's left Doctor Who? And we know mm. that she wrapped up filming everything months and months ago. So it's a bit of a weird article. But essentially the article was, what's Jodie been up to? And he said, not much. That was it. It was a case of, well, she's chilled out with her family. She's taken a bit of time off. She's seen friends and and chilled out. And, and that's it. So scraping the barrel, quite literally, for news, dude. Well, I, I know one thing Jodie Whittaker's been doing. Bit of the old, mm-mm-mm-mm, because she's got a baby bump. She got a bit of a <laughs> she's she's expecting her second baby. Uh, it was, yeah. was kind of um, they said announced. Uh, they, they, there was like all the headlines were like Jodie Whittaker announces she's pregnant at the Brits, and um, I think what that really translated is but that Jodie turned up at the Brits wearing a a big dress and was you know obvious that she's got a bit of a bump there. So congratulations to Jodie. Yeah, so that's that's gonna um, yeah that's gonna have an impact on things, isn't it? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, from what we know, uh, she's all she's all done and dusted with all who stuff. Yeah, and why not crack on, expand the old family? Get exactly. Another, it did make me addition. think of LFCC though, because she's still scheduled to be there in two weeks, whatever it is. Um, and I'm thinking she's going to want to be careful, surely. So, I if it was me, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to be a pregnant woman. I mean, I have got a bit of a a bump but sadly it's, uh, it's not a baby but um yeah if it was me i don't think i'd be wanting to meet uh even though all the restrictions just seem to have gone out the window here now and everyone's acting like covid never existed i'm afraid 
you know, not to be on a downer, it's still very much out there. And uh, if it was me, I don't know if I'd want to be at a convention if I was pregnant. And I, mm. I almost certainly think now she's going to have a screen in the photo studio. I think that's because we were talking about this the other week, weren't we? I was saying like, if I was paying 75 quid, uh, I would hope she wouldn't have a screen. That's before we knew she was pregnant. Mm. Now I'm thinking surely she absolutely has to. I mean, the, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if she didn't. Uh, and I'm, but I'm surprised she's doing it at all, to be honest. Mm. But there you well, go. Yeah. But yeah, she. I think she is. There we go. She's uh, committed now. Mind yeah. you, having said that, there's been loads of LFCCs and other Comic-Cons in the past where uh, stars have pulled out fairly late in the day. I just worry she might yeah. do that, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, she's not that long been announced, and she would have known when she was asked to do it that she's pregnant. So presumably, she'll yeah, still true. go ahead of it. But uh, yeah, I just don't know how that'll affect her appearance and um, stuff like that. But who knows? Anyway, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, along with the news being quiet, other than that very insightful and in-depth article <laughs> about what Joni's been up to, there's. Uh, yeah. I've also been quiet. The only thing I've done is. Obviously, watch the old review story, the faceless ones that we've got coming up in a mm. wee bit. Have you done anything uh, anything cool? Anything Doctor Whoey, dude? No, I mean, being a six-parter, it didn't really leave a lot of time to, <laughs> to get anything else in. Um, no, BFI tickets to Revelation of the Daleks went on sale today. Uh, as we record, we're recording on Thursday, so hopefully oh, yeah. everyone who wanted to get them... Actually, I think they, they've they literally just gone on sale as we record. Uh, but yeah, I've managed to nab one of those, so that's that's cool. Uh, the only other thing really that I've done, and we were talking about this just before we started recording actually, but I'll just briefly mention it because it is one of those things um, that me and Gary both love is when we go into a secondhand bookshop and uh, they've got Doctor Who books and there's a, an Oxfam in the next town from where I live that I always just check out. Of they Every now and again, they'll get a couple of little gems in and uh, I think the last time I found Doctor Who book in there it was probably about two years ago one that I wanted you know one that you don't see all the time and uh, yesterday I went in and there was a whole shelf a whole shelf of Target books I could not I thought I was dreaming I couldn't believe my eyes <laughs> and my wallet I could hear it whining the closer I got to the shelf like <laughs> oh no no uh, I mean I, I could have bought the whole shelf mate I, re- I wanted them all and I spent about an hour going through them all, cherry picking the ones uh, that I wanted. Um, and I opened a couple, and most of them were like two pound forty nine, two ninety nine, not too bad. And then I, I put a couple of them aside. <laughs> when I opened them up, they were nine ninety nine, or and I was like, oh, there's about four that I'd put mm. in my pile that were nine ninety nine. That's that's forty quid. I was like, oh dear, oh no, that wow, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to think carefully now because I was thinking I could get those five. Or this one. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I made a, f- a few decisions, but I only <laughs> bought one nine ninety nine one, and the guy very kindly did it for a fiver. Because I said to him, if I buy all of these, <laughs> this one's a tenner, but could you could we round up the price? And yeah, it's all good. But mate, and there's, there's such a cool feeling, isn't it? When you see those, you see the spine, you see the symbol, the target symbol. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's like gold dust has appeared on the shelf. I was in my element, mate. And I sat there in a the little coffee shop afterwards looking through. I'd bought about seven or eight, I think. Just looking through them and thinking, oh, I love these. Love the Target books. They are amazing, yeah. There's something about them. Something mm. about them. It's, yeah. it's very but, cool, isn't it, when you go into uh, into places like that or a, or a, a bookshop that sells secondhand books and uh, you just see, like you said, that logo on the spine and stuff. It's like, oh, cool, mm. new Target books and... 
because normally yeah. it's just the the ones that you've been around for ages you see the same old ones like the the uh tenant books that come out you know those funny sort of hardcover books they're always in there that people have got rid of and stuff like that so yeah when you do actually see some target ones it's like ooh. but um when i bought them just where i left he said oh i've got loads of more of these out the back i've still got to sort through them i was like what more (laughs) who who's got rid of all of these books i don't know but i would definitely be going back (laughs) you had a bit of a colin baker moment more 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 more. (laughs) yeah talking to colin i'm well looking forward to seeing um revelation at the bfi you reckon you might get along to that yes yeah the tickets um yeah they've literally just gone sale mate yeah Uh, half 11 they go on sale oh is it all right yeah we've got a, a, a wee bit to wait but yeah i'm hoping to nab one for that I've got yeah. a funny feeling that the uh, that the fifth of March, I've got some sort of family thing on there. I've just got a nasty feeling, so I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna grab a ticket anyway, and uh, if mm. I can't make it for whatever reason, then um then someone can have it. But yeah, I'm hoping to get to that one, dude. It'll be good. Oh, yeah. that'd be cool because you, yeah, you've not managed to get to to be a fire in a while, have you? So yeah. that would be cool. Yeah, would be cool. It'd be a fun fun one to watch as well. That although I th- I feel like the DJ is gonna drive me mad you know the dj in it in revelation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm. but yeah it's going to be a fun one yeah uh, it'll be a good uh, a good little teaser as well for the season 22 box set that's going to arrive a bit later on yeah because we yeah. normally get some special features don't we at these bfi screenings like yeah yeah they yeah. normally show little clips and uh little exclusive clips of what what's coming on the new extras so and i have to say the extras for this set look great don't they I'm really looking forward to season 22. It's weird because I've said before, Colin's era, not my favourite by any means. I really struggled with it as a kid watching it. Um, although I liked Colin, I, a lot of the stories, oh, they're pretty dark and gloomy and stuff. So not my favourite era, but it's weird over time. Even stories like Revelation, which is really dark and uh, sometimes I watch it and I don't really like it. Other times I watch it and I'm really into it. It's, it's, it's a really odd era colin's era i if i'm in the mood i really enjoy it but i have to be in the mood like yeah, attack same. of the cybermen i don't think it's a good story but every now and again i'm really in the mood to watch it if you know what i mean it's it's yeah it's a strange era but an interesting era hmm. it's a funny one isn't it yeah it for, is a funny a few one reasons. yeah 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 oh good hey, yeah grab a ticket dude that'd be cool yeah it will be good yeah mm. can have some interesting pub chats afterwards as well which is always fun yes yeah yes Righty, so that's all the news and gubbins done. Not much going on. Uh, no, no news certainly on any of the upcoming specials or anything and uh, anything of that nature. So uh, yeah, we're going to crack straight on with our review this week. But before we get to that, just a quick one, as always, just to um, just to make sure that you uh, you follow this podcast in your fave podcast app or subscribe, uh, whatever network or platform you listen to your podcasts on, so you don't miss a show when they land every single Friday. We are on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week in between episodes, so come and get involved there. Either do a search for us, or you can find links to those things on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. On that website, you can also read the reviews and articles from our amazing writers, get stuck into that stuff as well. And we have a free Discord server. So there's a link on the website. Hop over there and come and chat Doctor Who as well with other cool Doctor Who fans. And remember to remember correctly this week. Remember <laughs> to subscribe. What did you say last week? I said remember not to uh, not to <laughs> not to look at your YouTube channel. <laughs> 
So yes, remember to go and view and subscribe to Adam's YouTube channel. It is called The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, remember to forget to go and sub to The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, I've got a new um, uh, London Film and Comic Con vlog uh, coming out. Well, it'll be out when this podcast goes out. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty pleased with it. It's, it's the one where I met Joe Martin and Sasha and... Yeah, I've spent quite a lot of time editing it. I don't know how people get them out like the same day or the following day. Like my friend Reese, I think his vlog was out like the following day from the con. And I'm like, what? Mine's taken months, uh, literally, Um, because I've been adding music and bits. Anyway, yeah, go check out my vids. (laughs) In a weird kind of timey-wimey way, we are recording episode 341 still, but we're a week ahead of what we were before. Yeah. So last week we were recording. Everything was going swimmingly, as you might expect. Our professionalism knows no bounds. <laughs> it was all going well. But uh, yeah, my neighbours decided to turn up. And what sounded like they were constructing a brand new TARDIS prop from scratch. <laughs> I saw lots of wood planks being drafted into the garden and everything. Oh, it's not going to be too bad. And then the old chainsaw fired up and it was game over. So... It was so loud when Gary was like, can you hear that? I'm like, yeah, it sounds like Frankenstein's building a monster outside your house. It's <laughs> really loud, wasn't it? it was, no way we yeah. could carry on. It's a nightmare. It was so, bad. yeah, jump cut yeah. forward a week. Jump cut, yeah. yeah. So we're fast forward in time, but this is still episode 341. So we did all the news and the waffling and stuff, as you might expect. And we've had a look around and there's no new Doctor Who news to go through. So we can jump straight into our review, which is really cool. Mm. So this week, buddy... What have we got for review? <laughs> you say cool. We both said before we start recording, we're, now it's been a week, we've both completely forgotten it. Uh, it's uh, Doctor Who, the faceless ones. Hey, you! Stop! Scatter! The pilot said what? Police box on the runway. Do you think it was some kind of practical joke, sir? Students or maybe someone? Uh, whoever it was, are going to pay for it as soon as I get my hands on them. I just... This man was electrocuted. Inspector Gascoigne was murdered with a ray gun. I believe comedian tours to be merely a front, a cover. For what? For the mass kidnapping of young people. This man they call Doctor, where does he get his knowledge? He's a threat to our operation. According to them, they know you. You must have made a mistake. i never seen them before in my life. The Faceless Ones. Mm. That's brought it all back now. Yeah, it's brought it all back. Yeah, we're good now. We're good. (laughs) So it was first broadcast back on the 8th of April, 1967, and it finished up six parts later on the 13th of May, same year. It was written by David Ellis and Malcolm Hulk, directed by Jerry Mill, and it stars Patrick Troughton, Annika Wills, Michael Craze, and Fraser Hines. And the synopsis for this one is the TARDIS arrives at Gatwick... The TARDIS arrives... At Gatwick Airport in July 1966, a great many young people have vanished, including Ben and Polly. With the help of Samantha Briggs, the sister of one of the missing youths, the second Doctor and Jamie must uncover the plots of the chameleons. Mm. Mm. So if you can remember, buddy, what's your thoughts on the faceless ones? (laughs) Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Uh, My thoughts on it were um, that, well, first of all, I I thought this was completely missing. I thought this was all animation, this one. So it's quite a nice surprise um, when I put it in. And uh, we've actually got episodes one and three uh, still exist. And uh, it's quite nice to have episode one because 
that really gives you a, an idea of what how things would have looked like the actors and stuff. So when the animation comes in in episode two, it's it's not so um, jarring, I think. And um, yeah, again, you got episode three as well, so that breaks it up a little bit. So it's not all animation. Uh, obviously, you can watch it all in animation if you want to. Now I don't know about you, but what I did is I watched the episodes that still exist. And I watched the animation episodes. And then really bizarrely, when I got to the final part, I thought, oh, I think I'll watch the last one in colour just to see what the animation looks like in colour. So it's a really mixed bag of, of watching this, really. But so I've sort of sampled every sort of version of it um, that's available on the on the DVD. Uh, it's um, an OK story. It, it, it definitely would have benefited from being a four-parter i think it would have been a really good four-parter actually but there's not enough story to sustain the six episodes there were times when i i was finding this really getting quite mundane and uh, um overall i enjoyed it but i think two things let it down for me it was just drawn out too much for six episodes and the ending massively <laughs> let it down i mean the the main protagonist is just popped off and in two seconds and is defeated so easily that it's just kind of like, oh, is that it? It's because it's he's built up to be this great sort of intelligence and the Doctor's never met anyone like me, as intelligent as me. He's never going to defeat me. Think, oh, this guy can't be messed with and he he just gets popped in the back and he's he's done with. So, yeah, that, that let it down massively for me because it just sort of finished and I thought, oh, is that it? <laughs> it's like with six episodes and... Just gets defeated so quickly, so that that was a bit of a letdown. But it, yeah, it's okay. I don't think it's a a great story. I think it's an enjoyable one, but I don't think it's up there as a an absolute trout and classic personally. Because it's Bell and Polly's last story as well, and they're hardly in it. It's really bizarre, actually. They're just kind of locked in the cupboard for most of it, and then the Doctor gets them out at the end, and, and oh, and then they yeah. decide to leave. It's a really, it's a real shame, actually. Because especially for Polly, well, no, I like Ben as well. Or like Geezer, he's you know he's quite quite a good character. But I think it's a, a bit of a sad way for them to sort of just drift off like that. So again, that left me feeling a little bit meh by the time I'd finished watching it. But yeah, enjoyable, good, some nice moments. Troutman pretty much, you know, keeps it rolling along as he always does when you get a story like this. Um, but I wouldn't say it's a, an absolute belter. Hmm. Fairly, yeah. I mean, that's reasonable. I th I'm pretty much with you on that one, dude. Yeah. I think yeah. It's uh, sometimes it can be with the old six parts with the old um, the six parter thing with classic Who. Generally speaking, you find that episodes four and five dip a little bit, and it's a little bit of a a thing. Especially as we know with the way that people watch TVs these days, it's very different to. Back in the day where you tuned in once a week and you, you find out what's going on. Maybe it was a little bit, yeah, well, probably definitely, uh, probably definitely. <laughs> uh, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely maybe, <laughs> definitely maybe a different vibe when you were watching it and mm. you were left on a wee bit of a cliffhanger. And when you came back a week later, you're like, oh, okay. It's a combination of having a bit of a catch up and getting back into the story as well as some new stuff. But when you're binge watching it as we do, where you watch either all six parts or you watch three and three or whatever, it can feel a little bit of a dip, but I feel like with this one, it didn't really matter that it was six parts. The story is still really stretched out. Yeah. yeah Even yeah. if it was four parts, I think it would still feel the same because 
other other than the the first episode where you're setting up the story and you've got the the pilots the, the chameleon hangar where someone's been killed and they turn up and then Polly goes missing and, and Ben goes missing. And then you fast forward to the end where they they go up to the space station and they find out what's going on and there's a bit of reconciliation between the Doctor and the chameleons and so on. Everything that happens in the middle is really just, well, I don't believe what you're saying, Doctor. Well, you mm. should believe what I'm saying because this is serious. Oh. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, well, you should listen to him because he knows what you're talking about. What? Oh, I don't know. So there's just loads of to-in and throw-in and repeated story elements that go on throughout pretty much three or four episodes. And uh, and uh, I'm not sure if it was a case of they should have in- involved the chameleons a bit more and less of the Doctor just running around the airport trying to convince mm-hmm. everybody that he's telling the truth and, and what's going on, or if it was a case of they just should have literally cut i don't know it's difficult to say in hindsight but cut it down to four parts and and do that which obviously when you plan stuff in it's not very easy to do that but yeah it would have massively benefited from being four parts wouldn't it i think it would have been good actually as a four-parter yeah i think so dude i think it would have been because you would have there were there were certain elements as well where and don't get me wrong i don't want to kick off as a negative ninny i do think it was a fairly mm-hmm. decent story but yeah it's decent yeah there was just certain things that seemed to go on for a really long time mm. and you think well that's unnecessarily just like one scene that comes to mind is when um what's her chops the scouse <laughs> the scouse lass turns up at the airport uh, sarah isn't it? sarah yeah when she oh, turns yeah. is it sarah she turns up at the airport and she's come all the way from Liverpool. Samantha, sorry, I couldn't read my own writing. Samantha. Yeah, Samantha. She's Samantha Briggs. Yeah, she's turned up all the way from Liverpool because her brother has gone missing, Brian. And there's this whole thing that goes on for like a quarter of an hour where the dialogue is just very laboured. It's like, I've come all the way from Liverpool to see what's going on. And Polly's like, yeah. well, that chameleon version of Polly's like, okay, well, not a lot we can do. Well, I've come all the way from Liverpool. <laughs> okay, you know, and then she sits down. And then Jamie's like, "I couldn't over, you know, couldn't help but over here. Yeah, yeah. You know, we should see the doctor." And she has no idea who the doctor is, but he's like, "Yeah, we should see the doctor. He'll sort it out." And this all goes on for sort of fifteen minutes, ten, fifteen minutes, and you think, "Well, crikey, you know, let's, uh, you know, this could have been a two-minute thing." So there are scenes like that where I'm not sure if they intentionally padded that out because they had to fill the runtime. Or if it was just intentionally written that way, I'm not sure. But no, yeah, no, but you're right because you. Yeah, yeah sorry, God. Story-wise, dude, yeah, just a bit laboured. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, because uh, you mentioned that bit earlier when you know the doctor's like, uh, we don't believe him, we do believe him, and all that stuff that goes on, and and then later on, <laughs> you sort of get the same thing with uh, with you know the com- comedians, don't you? Where they're saying they're on the phone and they're saying we've discovered where you hid the bodies, these bodies that they're. They're never gonna find because we've hidden them so well in the car park. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it when they like they make such a big thing about these bodies being so well hidden that they're never gonna find them. And they're just just in a car, just been popped in the back of a car in a car park. So easy to find. But then that goes on forever, doesn't it? As well, they're on the phone saying, "If you can't prove you found them, we're we're going to kill everyone." And all this is like, yeah, well, we are gonna prove that we found them. Well. You've got to prove that you found them, or and it just it, like you said, it really feels padded. You know, it's, it's, they say the same thing sort of over and over again, um, which yeah, it does get a bit laboured for sure. A wee bit. <laughs> so if you could have yeah. cut all that down, I think yeah, it would have been a 
would have definitely helped. Yeah, and also there's um there's this element of uh when you see people getting killed and replicants, you know, the chameleons and doing their thing throughout the first few episodes, you mm. do get the feeling that something really menacing is on its way and Yeah, because it's got a good atmosphere, isn't it? It's mm. got a good sort of undertone to it. Yeah. Um yeah, there's like this I wouldn't say it's like this big sort of you know, like with some stories, there's a an invasion that's imminent. That it's not as big as as that, but you do feel like something rather rather nasty is round the corner. So you're mm. kind of expecting this thing. And then when it happens, it's like, oh. And maybe that's just because it was animated. I'm not sure. Maybe if it was if you saw the live action reveal of one of the, you know, the chameleons without, you know, being transferred into or transformed or transmogrified, whatever the word is, into human form. Yeah. That might have been a bit better. But yeah, I feel like the um the the reveal of the not so much the bad guy, but the, you know the monster or the alien in the story was a bit lackluster as well because the atmosphere and the build-up was pretty good over a couple of eps. It was just a bit meh when you saw it. Yeah, I think that's what lets it down, really, isn't it? Because it does, you know, first few episodes you do get this sort of slightly sinister. Who are these guys? What's going on? And I really wish so. At the the cliffhanger to episode one, which is one of the surviving episodes, we almost get to see the chameleon, don't we? Almost. We just see it's yeah. back, and then in the f- next episode, which of course is lost, destroyed, whatever, it's an animated episode, so we get to see it, but in animation form. And I think, um, from what I understand, is they took a little bit of liberty to make them look better. But I, w- I wish we'd have just, oh, just really wanted him to turn around in episode one, so we actually just got a glimpse <laughs> of what they looked like in the actual TV episodes themselves. Um, but we don't. So I mean, the animated versions look look pretty good um from what you know we can only guess what they've gone on from photographs and stuff but um yeah i just wish we'd got to see the actual thing at some point would have been cool yeah like the face melting it looks good in animation but i don't know how good that looked in the actual tv episode i think there are some there are some some video there's some video footage or some images of of the makeup and stuff i'm pretty sure Mm. uh it, it yeah, it just maybe because it's animated overall, because I think there is, there is some footage that has survived, isn't there? There's just not enough, obviously, mm. for the full six episodes. But I was fairly happy with the animation, dude. It was really smooth and um, and pretty good. And I, I think the 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 key thing for me with these animated ones is the face movements and the facial expressions. I think if they nail that, then that's not too bad. And this one wasn't this wasn't terrible. This was pretty good. This one and. Overall, it felt fairly polished as well because the audio mix was, is obviously still there and alive, which is good. And then the additional sound effects like the aircraft flying around Gatwick and uh, some of the effects and whatnot, they, it was all pretty good. So the whole thing felt fairly polished and stuff because there has been a, a couple of animated Who stories that are felt a little bit janky with the animation and stuff. But I wasn't, I wasn't sort of too unimpressed with this one. What did you think to the animation then? Yeah, I actually was pleasantly surprised because it's um, it is it the same? I don't know. It looks like it's the same team that did Power of the Daleks. Um, I think, and I I get really confused between the different animation uh, teams that they've used for for different releases. Um, because they seem to have used quite a few different ones uh, over the last year or two, and I always get confused which ones which. But to me, it looked like the sort of Power of the Daleks style animation, the way the Doctor was drawn 
And I, I was pleasantly surprised by it because although it um, wasn't anything, they they didn't try and be too adventurous with it. It was pretty basic. It actually flowed a lot better than some of the ones I've watched more recently. So I, th- I think it's Fury from the Deep. There's one of them I really struggled with. In fact, I haven't finished it. Um, I sort of get waiting until we get around to reviewing it. I think it was Fury that I didn't finish. One of them anyway. I just found it so static and the characters almost moved like, you know, they were sort of cardboard cutouts. Whereas this one, although it is quite simplistic, it seems to they've, they've sort of utilised it well. So it, I actually found the animation very watchable, which was a, a pleasant surprise because I, I don't seem to have a lot of attention span with the animations, I think, depending on the quality of them. So I, I like a lot of the early ones we got, um, like the Invasion animation, I remember really liking. But some of the more recent ones, <laughs> bizarrely, uh, I've, I've struggled with a bit. But yeah, this I thought the animation was pretty decent on this one, mate. It, it, um, it didn't jar with me at all. In fact, in many ways, I'll be honest with you, I found... I found the animated episodes sort of more enjoyable to watch than the actual surviving ones, just because they seem to work better uh, with with the visuals on the screen. Like, for example, episodes one and three, I've got to be honest, the sets and and stuff look uh, the sets and stuff look really drab, <laughs> you know. And the <laughs> and the acting is, I think, because they're trying to be like you know chameleon versions of humans, they're acting sort of zombie-ish, but it comes across as just really slow and laboured and stuff. So it actually worked a little... It actually worked quite well in animation form, I thought. But, uh, I mean, that's the thing. You, you've got location stuff in episode one, uh, like uh, Heathrow and the TARDIS on the runway and stuff, and you think, when you read that on paper, you think that's going to be amazing. But it, to be honest, apart from one cool shot of the Doctor by the wheel of an aeroplane, which is kind of iconic. It was pretty drab, really. It's mostly just them running around tarmac runway and into this sort of um, room at the side of the runway and stuff. It isn't as exciting as it sounds, is it? You know, TARDIS on the runway. You think if that was a lost, if that episode was lost, you'd imagine you were missing a real classic episode, wouldn't you? Oh, if only we had episode one where the TARDIS landed. But when you see it, it's actually not as good as you'd think it would be. Whereas... When the animation kicks in, it the simplicity of it seems to work quite well. So I, I was mm. I was impressed with it overall, and the likeness to the humans wasn't bad either. So Troughton, because they've used different animation teams for different releases, his his appearance changes dramatically uh, over different releases. Um, obviously the Web of Fear one that came in for so much stick is a very strange version of Troughton. Um, and also, again, it might be the Free From The Deep one, I can't remember, but there's another Troughton animation where the face just looks a bit wrong, just doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. Again, they've kind of kept it simple and they've managed to capture enough of his features, I think, to, to, to be quite a good version of... Uh, did I say Hartnell? I you meant Troughton, right, of course. Yes, I meant, meant Troughton, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I read you, dude, that's fair enough. It's... um. Yeah, and going back to that iconic photo of the of the doctor behind the, the wheel of the plane and stuff. Yeah. There's actually a really funny one as well where the camera's zoomed out a bit more. And um, the framing really makes all the difference with that promo. Is image. it just a wheel? Well, the first one, you can tell that his face is very like, oh my God, what's going on? And I don't want to be discovered. But then the other photo that was from the same photo shoot, uh, I think you've got... Um, you've got... Uh, uh, what's his name? Jamie. You got Jamie. He's hiding behind Jamie. the other wheel, and you didn't even oh, yeah. know he was there. 
because unless you you saw the photo zoomed out and a different sort of photo, you wouldn't know he was there. But right. and then there's another one with the doctor, Jamie and Polly, and they're behind the wheel as well. So there was quite a lot of stuff that was taken, sort of behind the scenes and promotional stuff. Um, but yeah, you also write around the um, you know, the face. It just didn't quite land. I get, I get what you meant, and the whole laboured speech and stuff. Because you would have thought that if they were if they were doppelgangers or replicants or whatever you want to call them, that they would have put on a bit more of a... Well, there's two ways you would go with it, I guess. You would either do the first one, which is you just would try and make them completely indistinguishable from their normal selves. So you would never know that they were a copy. Or you go the other way and really make them sound different and act different. But it was this weird middle ground, wasn't it? Where, like you said, they didn't really do anything. They just slowed their the delivery of their lines down a little bit and... Yeah, and th- yeah, and that didn't help because there's one scene where one of the one of the copies is now working in the uh, air traffic control thing, and the doctor goes over to him, and, you know, and basically accuses him of being a copy, and that scene goes on what feels like forever. He's like, yeah, well, another one, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. another one, and um, he's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, and then there's a pause, and the doctor's like, oh, I think you do, and you know, and there's another pause, and would you mind standing up, sir? And then there's nothing for. 10 seconds it's just a yeah and then you get you know it's very the the, the scenes with the copies were just very like come on come on yeah the, it, do, it does yeah. you, you are sat there thinking come on get on with it sort of thing i you liked the animation though yeah you thought the animation was pretty good yeah yeah overall dude i, I was yeah i was um i i wasn't I, I didn't get through it thinking the animation was a factor in me not enjoying it put it that mm. way uh, and i did enjoy it don't get me wrong but the i think you're right i think it was fury from the deep or fury of the deep where the animation just is a little not it's not as immersive it's a bit janky so when you've got through it it's a bit like yeah that could have been i think better. it's that one i didn't get finish i'm not i must because i do get them a bit mixed up the animations because i had a feeling it was this one until i started watching it and i was like oh no this one's all right but mm. yeah i think it's fury didn't no i thought the animation was cool the the only bit where i thought the limitations really showed um was there's like a fight scene between i can't remember it was between now two women at the end is it who is it who's having a fight is it samantha and someone by the car you know there's like this fight sequence in like the last episode and that that i think that's the only scene where i felt like the animation um you could see the limitations they just couldn't do the movements and the the fight i think it was just they sort of rocked back and forth like sort of two cardboard cutouts it that's about the only scene where I thought the animation stood out was perhaps, uh, yeah, showing limitations. But apart from that, I thought overall it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I like the fact they just kept it nice and simple. Yeah, yeah. It looked think... alright in colour as well. I know you know purists will always watch these in black and white, but <laughs> I watched the last one in colour, and uh, I have to say, actually, having watched the ones in black and white, I do I actually do think they they look really good. But yeah, I watched the last one in colour, and it looked it looked pretty decent. Oh, okay, yeah, I, watched I like the, the fact the... we get the option. Yeah, that's cool, actually. Yeah, I did watch them all in black and white, but I've seen, um, I think it was one of the trailers when this was in the run-up to this releasing, the um, the Blu-ray, the animated version. I think in the trailer it showed the colour versions and stuff, and I've seen I've seen a few clips of the colour version. It does look pretty decent, actually. Um, did they do that with a couple of the other animated ones? I'm pretty sure. Or most of them, you can watch them in colour as well. The, the definitely, sure. yeah, the recent ones. Um, yeah. they, they've done that for quite a while, I think. Because I, I, I like seeing the intro in colour, although I still find the face of the animated Doctor strange. Uh, but <laughs> I do like seeing the, you know, the the, the effects in colour look pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Did you like the the one thing that I did like about the story was the very old school, but just so charming in a way that old school sci-fi mm-hmm. f- feel to this one because they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel with anything really. When they when they showed the Doctor, um, uh, pretty much investigating from the from the get go really because it it the story starts with like a full on straight out the trap. The TARDIS lands at the airport. Uh, Jamie gets mesmerized by a plane and then uh, a policeman turns up and the doctor's like scatter and they off. And that's it from that moment on. So you only literally get 30 seconds really of, of establishing where they are and what's, you know, they're in an airport and that's it. From that moment on, the story just kicks in straight away with the, with Polly discovering somebody being murdered and stuff like that. Mm. But from that that first moment on, the doctor, um, you know, he's talking to Polly, and you know, she's like, "Oh, it was a, it was a ray gun," you know. So there's none of this a ray gun, yeah, yeah. And they didn't reinvent yeah. or try to reinvent anything outside of the normal realms of of classic science fiction. It was like this is a ray gun that shoots a, you know, a, a laser beam that burns people, and there was this little device that knocks people out with this thing, and the um the shrinking people down to miniatures and the space station. It all just felt very British classic sci-fi, which one that's one part of it I did really like. Um, did you like the, the sci-fi little parts of it? Yeah, I, I absolutely know what you mean. Like the, the ice pen, you know, when the doctor yeah. <laughs> demonstrates it and blows up a cup, it seems so uh, small in scale now compared to sort of the elaborate stuff we get but i think you're right that's well that's the charm of it isn't it it's just so bringing everything back down to a more simplistic um storytelling uh which is like you said uh charming yeah definitely so i did and I, again this comes back to the atmosphere of of the episode as well oh i tell you what just quickly going back to animation the space station you talk about the planes going into space that looks great mm. uh that animation of that the space station. I, I wonder what the model looks like. I don't know if there's a photo of it, but I don't know that that would have looked as good on the actual episode. But yeah, that looked great, uh, the way they animated that. It did, but, actually. Yeah. yeah. But again, very yeah. old school style, wasn't it? Exactly, know? yeah. And yeah. with these, I guess that's probably a fine line to tread with the studios that are making these animations. It's probably... As animators and artists, they probably want to make it look as good as it can. But on the flip side of that, they need to maintain a sense of classic old school television feel about it as well. And they could have quite easily got away from themselves when it comes to do like the big elaborate sets or the, um, you know, the the big wide establishing, establishing shots at places or like we're talking about now, just a space station somewhere. They could have easily taken some creative license with that and made it this big science you know modern sci-fi looking amazing thing but they didn't it was just an old school almost like they did have a reference of a a really basic model that they might have constructed back in the day and just used that maybe but i I get i get the feeling that may have been the case actually where do Mm. you stand on that by the way because i am i'm always very torn when so again i think it was true from the deep could be wrong uh the animators did take a bit of artistic license and made this you know the 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 animation of the rooms look a lot better than the sets that were actually in the episode. And I'm really torn on that because I kind of want to see, I want it to be as close to the original missing story as it can be. So 
part of me really doesn't like it when they take artistic license. But the other part of me thinks, but it is quite nice if they it depends how far they take it, I suppose. If they're just tweaking the odd bit, like there's a little Easter egg in this story uh, of Magpie Electricals, if you, you blink and you'll miss it, but it's mm. in the background of one of the shots. And I think that's quite nice, you know, throw in the odd little Easter egg or maybe the space station looks a little bit better than the actual model did in the episode. But I, I do think there has to be a line. I, to me, I want it to be as fairly close to what's missing as possible or maybe just tweak it a little bit here or there. But I think sometimes they do drastically take, uh, you know, artistic license. And I, I don't know how I feel about that because it, obviously it looks better and probably makes it a more enjoyable watch. But I don't know, part of me thinks surely the whole point of animating a missing story is to show you what is missing. So I'm always very torn on that. But what do you think? Do you, does that sort of thing bother you or do you just want it to be as good a watch as possible? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it depends, and I hate answering questions with it depends, but I think it really does <laughs> depend on, as long as it doesn't detract from the story, I think it's okay to push it a little bit because mm. I think the whole point of these animated things is it's meant to be a reflection of what we no longer have, right? So it's meant to, yeah. you know, it's meant to fill in the gap for us. So I think its main purpose needs to be in as many ways as possible to try and replicate what you would have seen live action and just try and make that sort of a one-for-one replacement in animation. But I do feel like every now and then there is a an opportunity to push that a little bit. So you mentioned the sets, making them a bit larger and a bit more appealing, I suppose, to a modern audience. But like I said, as long as it doesn't, as long as that's not the talking point, then I think that's fine. So mm. I think if we're down the pub and we're talking about, you know, any animated story from who and the subject of conversation comes up along the lines of, yeah, but they really changed the set, didn't they, in that scene? I think when it's like that, then they've pushed it too far. Mm. But as long as everyone's talking about the story and they're not picking up on those little changes and improvements, I think that's cool. So it does depend on how far they push it, I guess. But there was a couple of things in the background that did push it a little bit. Did you see the posters of Delgado and um, on the pin board, there was uh, people that like, wanted posters. So near the beginning, oh. there was a, there was a pin board and there was another bit where the, the, um, the police officers are, they're getting ready to jump on their bikes and you see the, you know, in the background, there's a pin board and on it had two posters of wanted people. One of them was Roger Delgado and the other one was Sasha Dewan. Was it? I know yeah. that I totally missed that. Yeah. So that to me, that's a little bit of a, that's really pushing, mm. you know, the, the thing because it, it, it's not an Easter egg. It's a like, look what we've done. To me, yeah. that's not a, a true Easter egg. So the Delgado thing certainly is because he was, you know, master in the classic era, of course. Mm. But the Sasha Dewan, Dewan uh, image that you see there, that's like, well, that's, uh, that, that has, taking it a, a wee bit too far it's cool don't get me wrong it is cool yeah. but yeah that's a bit of a push in my eyes yeah so that, i agree with that because also i mean the doctor didn't recognize that master when she saw him sashes and till he did the big reveal and i know having him on the mm. wall i know what you mean it's it's a it's one of those things like i mean as as is evident here blink and you'll miss it i, I didn't spot that and i've watched this twice now once when i bought it and once for this review 
So I'll I'll look out for that next time I do it. I think that the, the other thing that I, I thought this, and funny enough, the animators at one of the BFIs talked about it a long time after I brought it up in a discussion, you know, down the pub or whatever. And I was always saying, I think that with a lot of the animations, the bits where it struggles is where nothing is being said or happening on screen. So there's like, in a lot of early Doctor Who, you can hear shuffling around and it's probably someone moving <laughs> from one side of the set to the other or... Or maybe they're doing something with a look. So I think the animators are thinking, well, how how do we show that? Like, you know, there are scenes where nothing is really being said or going on that they've got to animate, and that's quite difficult. And um, I was saying, well, maybe they should tighten up the episode, just cut out those gaps of silence, just to tighten it up a bit. Uh, you know, is that plagiarism, or, or or does that help the story move along in animation? And um, mm. And then, yeah, months, maybe a year later, I was listening to some of the animators on stage talking about it, and they were saying the same thing, that they feel like, you know, I think in the more recent ones, they've decided that there are little bits of pockets of silence and stuff that, you know, they can just cut out and no one's really going to notice, and it's not affecting the story in any way. It's literally just someone moving or getting up from their desk or, you know... (laughs) Yeah, so I, I I feel that's okay, weirdly enough. That doesn't bother me because they're not... Like the rough and tumble scene that was cut, that slightly bothers me because something is happening. Uh, what story right, was that right. cut from? Uh, not the Macro Terror, was it? Um, yeah, it might be. Anyway, so they, they couldn't afford to animate that scene, so mm. they cut it out. And I think, oh, that's a shame because that's, you know, a lot of fans love that scene and we're looking forward to seeing it animated. But if it's just silence and someone shuffling a pen around looking menacing, but... Mm. You know, it doesn't add anything to story. I think I'm okay with that being cut. Yeah, true. Yeah, those kind of things you can understand because there's either a very good reason for doing that. As as you mentioned, there's obviously a a finite amount of time and money that these guys get to animate this stuff. And um, if they don't have the time and money to animate a scene like that, then it's got to go. You know, there's a good good reason for doing that. I think it's more when they do it for the sake of doing it is the... Is for me anyway, when it gets a little bit near like this Sasha Dewan poster, the image that you see on the poster. Mm. Yeah, I'm probably going against the grain with that. They'll probably get some comments to say, what's the matter with you, Gary? That's very cool. <laughs> and it is cool, but, you know, it's just doing it for the sake of doing it. And yeah, it's it, it's an okay Easter egg. But anyway, yeah. No, the anime, I, I, yeah, yeah. I guess I get you because I think new series Easter eggs in these animations have been creeping in a lot. And I know it really irks some people and i think if that's if you're not a fan of this era it would because you kind of if you're not a fan of of the current era you don't want it being shoved in to classic who because you're all kind of you've made a conscious decision of well you can enjoy it but i'm not so i'll just leave that to one side and i'll enjoy the classic who and then suddenly you've got you know and it's Asha Dwan popping up in your in your classic who and you're like you're not very happy so i can see it from both sides i i i honestly can i can't think what the most recent one was there was something i think in evil of the daleks everyone was talking about it after the screening at the bfi they were like oh i can't believe they were blowing jerry whittaker era stuff in it and I, but i can't remember what it was um so yeah the it's it's a fine line they have to tread and i agree with you i think sometimes it just the word that you use, which I think is spot on, is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So to 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 wrap this bell, dude, I think the animation stuff is was was really good, actually, really watchable, and it was fairly smooth and not as janky as a couple of the other ones. But yeah, overall, it didn't detract from the story for me. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Same. Um, 
what did you think to before we get on to some performances what did you think to i know we've spoken about that a little bit but the actual the villains themselves then the faceless ones the ones that are uh either murdering people or hiding mm. them in the drawers or the boots of cars <laughs> and stuff yeah. so that they could uh so effectively their home world has been um you know uh, destroyed or or, or, or damage, whatever. So they need to rebuild their population. And some genius came up with, why don't we just go and grab a load of humans, uh, 25,000 of them, and bring them back and, you know, population rebuilt. Thumbs up. Uh, what do you think to this motive then, and these as, as villains or monsters? I think it's a good concept, very sort of uh, simple concept. But I think I agree with what you said very early on in this review, that it, it, it doesn't get, um, they don't get used enough, really. There's too much of, yeah... I would have liked to have seen because you you feel the sort of this like you said this sort of um, underlying threat, but it really fizzles out. Then it doesn't really go anywhere. You get a fairly good scene towards the very end of the story where there's a bit of a playoff and um, you know uh, I can't remember the character's name now uh, since I watched it, but the main sort of humanized villain at the end, not the main guy, not the all-knowing. I'm the most intelligent. The the other guy, I'll tell you his name because I think he's in Time of the Rani. Oh, that guy uh, is, is it Blade? Um, Blade, I think. Yeah, Donald Pickering. I think it's yeah. Blade. Um, yeah, you know, he's quite a cool sort of. A, yeah, Blade. You know, he he's got some good stuff going on in the final episode where he's you know he's quite threatening and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it just doesn't really ever get going in the sense of um, a good villain. I think maybe that's what lets it down, mate. It's a good concept and there's some good stories and stuff but the villain isn't quite strong enough and yet i think it has the potential to be like the faceless ones and the chameleons look pretty scary i think they could have been used more Mm -hmm. yeah yeah a wee bit i think so yeah yeah and it ends up being a bit of a i wouldn't say a power struggle at the end but it's like a the end is the end is not too bad. There's a little bit of a build up, isn't there, where the 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 guys down on Earth at Gatwick, they're calling you know, they're calling bluff a little bit. They're like, you know, we found all of the all of the um kidnapped humans and if you don't stop what you're doing in return, you know, we're gonna pull the plug and you're gonna disintegrate sort of thing. And they're like, nah, they're they're just bluffing, so let's go for it. So there's a bit of suspense as we get up towards the the finale. And there's a little bit of a power struggle. So we have, um, yeah, so Blade, he kind of cottons on, doesn't he? And he's like, actually, they could be telling the truth, and I certainly don't want to get disintegrated. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a shuffle and and stuff up on the space station. And then that's kind of it, really, isn't it? Blade's like, okay, well, yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. On your way, Doctor, kind of thing. So there is a little bit of a... Because the Doctor's about to be... Um, uh, duplicated himself isn't he he's a he's mm. they put him in the machine he's about to go and you think is he gonna is this gonna happen or is they gonna they're gonna turn up in time and stuff so there's a little bit of a build-up which is cool but yeah the actual you know uh the initial motive i guess for these faceless ones to to kidnap and replicate all the humans is is okay it's you know it's kind of cool but the ending it's good but as villains and monsters and stuff they kind of just walk away at the end and yeah, well, it's quite got, harmonious yeah you've got the director guy who's the one who's saying oh he'll never defeat me and he's hardly really used is he the like i said blade seems to take over at the end and become the main sort of threat so i'm not really sure what the point of the director guy was apart from being like the orchestrator of it all um 
So yeah, and the faces once again, they look pretty creepy. I was imagine if I was a kid at the time, you know, you'd be pretty scared of those, but they're not in it that much. Yeah. As in their sort yeah. of natural scary form, are they? Mm. But that's what I mean. You've got them there to use. They're just not really used. <laughs> yeah. No, I read you. Yeah. And there's a bit of a twist, I guess, at the end with um, Inspector Crossland. You know, he turns up at Gatwick and he's in- investigating the something that's going on with chameleon tours. And yeah. uh, the guy that was murdered at the beginning, I think it's Inspector Gascoigne, I think. And uh, and then when we get up to the space station, it's a replicant of Crossland and he's the, you know, the guy calling the shots initially and then Blade sort of gets the ray gun out and takes over and stuff like that. So it's okay. They just weren't used that effectively. But like I said earlier, maybe that's because the animated versions were a bit a bit subdued, I think, live action. Because there are plenty of pictures of the live action dudes. You know, they do All look right, pretty yeah. cool. And um, yeah, maybe they would have been effective if it was live action, but... We can only dream about that stuff, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think to um, uh, just a couple of key characters w- which were quite cool? So Samantha, then she's uh, mm. Samantha Briggs, played by Pauline Collins, who yeah. turns up later on uh, in modern Doctor Who. Uh, she plays Queen Victoria uh, in Tooth and Claw. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. So she's uh, got a decent relationship with classic and modern Who, but she was a fairly cool character, quite feisty. You don't mess with her. Yeah, I mean, Pauline Collins has gone on to be a very famous actress, hasn't she? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, she was quite a feisty character. She stood out. I, I think it's always very noticeable when you get somebody who's, uh, I would imagine this is very early on in her career, um, mm. but she's totally going for it. Like, she, you feel like she's really into the part. Like, some of them in this do feel like they're just a bit going through the motions and stuff. But yeah, Pauline Collins... Um, she does stand out, and uh, people were saying, "Oh, she should have gone on to be the companion with Jamie," which uh, would have been interesting because I think we find, we see a little bit of um, flirting going on between those two. <laughs> she looks really sad when Jamie leaves at the end, doesn't she? Um, so there there is the possibility she could have been a companion. I think she would have been quite strong, um, as long as I don't know. You, you get the impression from the way she's written in this, she's a bit not naggy but <laughs> they'd have had to mm. tone that down because that could have got very irritating very quickly but yeah she's yeah. good she's good in it she does she does definitely stand out as a good character and uh some nice scenes with jamie as well she is yeah she is a good character and i like yeah. the i like that dynamic and that relationship with jamie because 99 percent of the time throughout all of the episodes and stories with um with the second doctor and jamie the dynamic is very uh explosive at times it's mm. very much you know jamie's mm. quite up for it a lot and you know he he'll get his hands dirty and him and the doctor have a the odd slanging match and yeah you know whereas i think she brought out a bit of a softer side to jamie because mm. he's generally viewed and uh, portrayed his version you know the way that fraser hines portrayed um jamie was this kind of tough rough around the edges sort of old scottish dude that was you know, up for a bit of a scrap and you don't see much in the way of, well, rarely do you see like the softer side to him, you know. So I thought that that character was, uh, would have provided a good dynamic if she had have gone on and been a regular companion. And she was offered that. She was offered the role of the companion. And they, I think Innes Lloyd and Fraser Hines, they were really insistent that she took the part. Oh, right. Fraser Hines for obvious reasons. And, um, (laughs) But she turned it down. She's like, no, I don't want to be a regular at the moment in a TV series. So she turned it down. But uh, yeah, she was a good, a good character, I thought. And she's got the same hair 
now. If you look at Pauline Collins now <laughs> yeah. versus how she was in this, she's got exactly the same, the same hairstyle. So Yeah, it would have yeah. been interesting if she'd been a companion. I'm kind of glad. Well, I don't know, really. It would have been interesting, but I'm kind of glad we got Victoria because mm. I like yeah, Deborah true. Watling anyway. But yeah. Yep. What do you think to the two the two uh, characters that we first see then as as the the faceless one? So that was Blade, and then he was knocking around with a guy. I think it was Jenkins. I could be mistaken with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two really dominate the first couple of episodes. It's just those two who Polly witnesses them killing somebody, Gas- uh, Inspector Gascoigne, at the beginning, mm. and then there's a little bit of um, uh, cover up going on. So the Doctor tries to persuade the um the director of the airport to go and investigate he doesn't believe him and then they finally do but then they cover it up and so those two really carry the story from the faceless one's perspective for like at least two or three episodes so they were kind of cool i thought blade's character was pretty good yeah no i thought donald pickering was good as blade actually because he has got that look about him that's a bit uh i was gonna say creepy but that's not that's not very nice. That's not what I mean. He just he just looks like he's got a slightly villainous, untrustworthy face. So I think he was good for that part. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Nothing against him. Because uh, I, I recognise him straight away because obviously he goes on to be in uh, Time of the Rani. Uh, what's the character called? Is it Bayus or someone? You know, he's the, guy, he's the one that um, sets up all the bombs around the Rana's brain and blows it up and kills himself. He's that guy. So oh, it's, yeah, it's cool to yeah. see him in it and also Wanda Ventham, who also, who's also in Time of the Rani. So you've got a bit of a Time of the Rani team uh, meeting up in this one, which is cool. Uh, the actual Wanda Ventham, obviously, Benedict Cumberbatch's mum, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's mum, it's cool to see her in it. And I thought, um, although... It's, they're playing everyone in those scenes is playing that very uh hello old boy oh good morning <laughs> captain it's all very old school british isn't it so she's talking very posh in it but it was yeah it's just really nice to see her in it as well so yeah true yeah uh, it wasn't oh. jenkins sorry it was blade and spencer spencer oh, was go. the other yeah. guy yeah yeah uh, victor winding yeah there you go and uh yeah i thought they were both um I thought they, they they did a decent job of sort of laying the foundation for those first couple of eps because mm. their performance is very cold and very, yes you know, you don't mess with them sort of thing. So that was cool. Uh, what did you think to the guy running the uh, Gatwick Airport then? I think Commandant's played by Colin Gordon. Yeah. I mean, good <laughs> casting uh, for the time. You know, it's very much of its time, isn't it? The, the Commandant, yeah. very snooty, um, Full of himself, just yeah. He's an intruder. Get rid of him. You know all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, but but for the time it was made, I think he was good casting. It just stands out a bit as uh, a bit, <laughs> bit yeah, OTT, I suppose. But yeah, I like I liked him in it. I thought he was quite fun. Some fun yeah, scenes true. with the Doctor yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and there was a few other people knocking around. So we had yeah. the guy that was duplicated and was now working in the the airport. He gets found out and. Uh, the the woman who replaces Polly in the shack for the chameleon tours, the mm-hmm. customer, and then she ends up on the plane with Blade, and so a few other people knocking around, but nothing of note really to get into. So, uh, principal cast then. So Ben and Polly, uh, just not really in it that much, dude. Are they? They kind of they no. go off, and you know Polly gets replaced, and and they turn up uh, throughout the episode much later on, and Polly's in it a little bit more than Ben, but overall. Just not much of them, really, in this one, considering it's their last... I think you mentioned at the beginning you were surprised yeah. that this being their very last story, they're just not really in it <laughs> that much. 
No, it's a shame, really, um, because it is their last story. They they get very little to do. Um, and I was, they, don't you find it weird when we get a story with Ben and, and Jamie in the same story? That dynamic doesn't work. It's a bit weird. Yeah. I find it, yeah, it's, it, it seems weird because we know Jamie's going to carry on with the second Doctor and we know how good they are together. Somehow it seems weird having the Doctor with Jamie and Ben and Polly. It just, I don't know, the dynamic doesn't work for me. I mean, it's not, they're not in many stories together anyway, but... Um, yeah, so but, but I think that's the reason why, because you've got Jamie and Ben, there's not enough for them to do, so they've got to get rid of one, uh, and, you know, it's Ben. Ben gets nothing to do, and it is a shame, because it's his last story, so maybe he should have been the one that went up and, you know, did all the stuff that Jamie did in the space station and stuff, I don't know, but you do feel like they're wasted, and Polly doesn't really get anything to do. The, the little end scene with them is quite touching. I mean, it's completely out of the blue. <laughs> but just listen yeah. to the, the dialogue, we you know, with, with the Doctor and stuff. It's it's nicely done. It just feels like we have... I suppose because we've hardly seen them in the story, there isn't much connection to those characters unless you've been, like, a long-time viewer following it. You know, if if you were just mm. coming in and watching the story, they, they're hardly in it, and then they say goodbye, you'd probably think, well, oh, okay... So it's a nice enough leasing scene. It just doesn't have much gravitas to it for for two, you know, much-loved characters, really. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ben's, yeah. you know, he's not one of my favourite companions, but I like Michael Craze. Um, and I, I do find it funny, you know, the way he's like, all right, mate, I'm going to bash your head in. <laughs> and I, you know, it's, uh, you know, he is what he is, the character, but, mm. yeah. But Polly, I think I like, you know, I think Polly is a great character and, she had a lot of potential as well, and uh, Annika Wills plays her well, so it is sad to see them leave. Just, yeah, just wish they'd got more to do, really. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, and it was a bit of a lacklustre ending for those two as well, yeah. because it was that thing that they, they did a couple of times with uh, with Classic Who, where there wasn't... This is not a right or wrong way to, to end you know a companion's run on the show, but because nowadays in modern who it's a big fanfare and a big a big event almost. But back then it was like, well, we want to stay here. All right, then. Are you sure? Yeah. All right, then we'll see you later. Then. You know, and that was it. So, but they were cool. I, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think Annika Wills had a good one as Polly. She was, she was good in this one. And, uh, I, I'm and, just uh, laughing because I'm thinking of the first doctor when, um, Ian and Barbara left and he goes mad. And people yeah. say that was, that was actually just Hartnell out of character because he was furious when they left. And he's like, well, go on then. If you think it's better than, if you think you'd be better off, then off you go and all this sort of thing. Mm. And it's like, he was really cross. So, but yeah, you're yeah, right. True. Normally, it's just a sort of uh, well, thanks. You know, oh, in mm-hmm. Dodo's case, not even a goodbye. Uh, <laughs> where's Dodo? <laughs> oh, she's not coming. All right, then I'm off. You know, so I'm yeah, off, it's yeah. A, none of that big to do that we get nowadays. Yeah, yeah, I read you. Yeah, and the, you're right. The dynamic between Ben and Jamie is a little bit weird because you've got two quite strong male characters who yeah. are ultimately doing the same thing, but they're just you know per- the performance is, is obviously different because they you got the cockney herbert uh, as ben <laughs> and then you've got this very staunch you know no messing around scott uh, you know with with jamie so yeah. when the two of them are, are on screen together which is hardly at all in throughout the whole six parts it does feel a little bit like well you two are kind of doing the same thing you know just slightly differently so yeah, there's, there's definitely not room for both is there that's the no, thing and no. we know how good the, the dynamic is going to go on to be from here with the, the second Doctor and Jamie. They're, they're, they're brilliant together. So, yeah, I think that helps as well with the leaving. You just know that you're in for some good fun. 
uh, yes. with those two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, and then, so we spoke about Jamie a little bit. Um, Fraser Hines, he has another good one, as yeah, expected. He's, good, he's, yeah. uh, he's uh, very consistent as Jamie, Fraser Hines, throughout his run. It's, um, yeah, and uh, he's in it quite a bit as well. He's him and, him and the Doctor, as usual. Those two are in it quite a lot. Yeah, he gets a fair bit to do, yeah. Mm. yeah. So what about uh, old Pat then, Pat Troughton as, as the second Doctor? Haven't spoken about him too much, but... Um, I wouldn't say this is one of his standout performances as you know during his run. It's it's good. He has a couple of good scenes and stuff, but nothing that really stands out like I can't remember like I'm trying to play through very quickly in my mind the the six episodes and trying to pick out a real standout scene for him. And I can't really. It was it was good. He you know he's great obviously as a doctor, but I can't really pick out it wasn't one of those stories with some some great scenes. Can you pick out anything like that? I kind of know what you mean. I mean, Pat's great in it, and he's kind of the glue that holds it together. He always is, even if you get a really, you know, substandard story or, or one that's really struggling. Pat will always, you know, light up the room when he comes on screen. Um, and even if it's not a standout moment, I, I do agree with you. I, I still think he's he's good in it. I can't think of any. See, this is the thing. We get much more of that once him and Jamie are together, don't we? We get a lot more banter between the two of them there wasn't much of that in this episode um the only real moment i mean he's great in it he's good in it but the only real moment that sort of uh really stuck for me was when he lets loose a bit and he says um he's like trying to prove a point i think and he's like i'll blow you all to smithereens and he really sort of starts to let loose and i thought oh that's good that's because he's giving a bit more uh, getting of something a little bit different from the Doctor, he's sort of losing his rag a bit. Um, I can't remember what he's doing though. Is, do you remember that scene though? Where he's, he, I think he snatches. Is it when he snatches the pen? He's yeah, been cornered or so. Yeah. He's like, stand back or I'll smell you all to smithereens. <laughs> and um, yeah. and then he, what does he do? He does something comical. It's a very typical Pat moment. But sorry, it's been a week and a half since I watched it. Now I can't yeah, remember. Same. But yeah. yeah, he he says that. You think, uh oh, don't mess with this guy. And then he does something funny. And runs away, and I thought that was a really nice <laughs> moment. So you, you get like the odd bit from Pat in this, but yeah, it's not. Um, there's no sort of moment in it that really stands out for me with him. But it's still, yeah, still nice. Yeah. As I said, it would be a lot duller without him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I read you, dude. It's yeah. um, yeah, it, it like it wasn't a terrible performance or anything like that. He's still great, obviously. Yeah, he just hasn't got those moments that you look out for. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few funny little scenes here and there, and yeah, it was good, but not his not his best story, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but it's a good story to come on. I mean, it leads right into the evil of the Daleks, so you mm. know, we've got some really cool who around the corner. If you um, if uh, if you were doing a chronological watch, or you're doing a big marathon for classic who or Trout and whatever, you've got some good some good who around the corner. But um, anything else on your notes, dude? I think we had. Uh, Nothing in the way of music, really, either. It was just some basic it stock here and there. Yeah, just stock. Didn't notice. I don't know who was doing the music, whether it was Dudley or stock. It was just stock. Was dude. it stock it was music? Was it? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. probably before Dudley, is it? Anyway. Yeah. No, music didn't uh, really stand out for me at all. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes to see if there's anything I've missed. Um, no, not really. Just, it's pretty cool that we, like you just mentioned, Evil of the Daleks. There. Uh, thank God that got animated <laughs> before the animation budget was cut and closed down because I think. Um, yeah, that would be criminal if we if we didn't have that in some form to watch. So that's thank goodness we got that recently. Yeah, true. Yep. Yeah. 
Okay, dude. Well, I'm good. Nothing else on my notes. So I think it's time for scores. It's me to go first. I think so. Yeah. I am going to slap this with a <laughs> six point five. I, I had a feeling you'd you'd go six point five. I'll just go slightly higher with a seven. With a seven. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'll cool. give it the benefit of the doubt that it may have. If we had the all the episodes existing, it might have been a little bit better. But yeah, I'll give it a, a seven. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah, I gave it a six point five just because. It's it's pretty decent. It's a good watch. It's fairly enjoyable, but it will just um, it will always remain in that kind of bracket of stories where it's okay. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. if somebody said, "Tell me, you you know, we don't do lists, but tell me like your top three or top five Trouton stories," it probably wouldn't creep in there. It wouldn't be far off, but you know, it certainly wouldn't creep in there. So I think you think you bad. might have hit on something when you said about the Trouton moments. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that, but it. If I was reaching for a Troughton, you do go for ones where you remember the little funny bits that you look out for, like him and Jamie holding hands in the team of Cybermen and, and uh, the bit where he's messing around with the computer in, in the Dominators, or Croton, sorry. You know, there, there are moments you, 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 you stick on for Pat and there isn't really anything in this. I think you're right. There's He's good in it, but there's no, oh, I'm going to watch that one because I love the bit when Pat does that. Mm-hmm. or you know. So yeah, there's none of that in this, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All righty then. So a six point five from me and a seven from him. What did our listeners think? Let's jump over to Twitter. We had Doctor Who Holmes says it's a fairly decent story. I like the overall plot. Maybe like most Troutons, it would have been a very good four-parter. Yeah. The chameleons are cool. Great to see Jamie front and center too. The animation is fine. Definitely one of the weaker of that style, though. A happy seven out of ten. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, Will Sanger says it's a good one. The hectic nature of the airport environment works wonderfully. Uh, it means it makes sense that aliens would be operating under everyone's notice. Samantha also should have been a companion. It's unfortunately overlong with dull villain performances, but a 7.5. Mm, villains are a bit dull, yeah. Mm. Spiral Scratch says, very atmospheric, great villains. Gatwick has a great, uh, as a location is great. Love the animation. It's superb. Troughton is on form. Bit of padding in the middle. Think it could have been easily a four-parter. Shame Samantha Briggs never got picked up as a companion. 7 out of 10. Mm, 7. Yes. Um, Davy Paul says, this is one of my favourite Troutons. I would have liked Pauline Collins to have stayed on as a companion with Jamie. Mm. Uh, writer Jordan says, a decent story. And I like uh, on audio, not so much with the animation, though. I think it would have made for a cracking four-parter and a companion departure story. Ben and Polly aren't really in it, though. And Sam would have made a great companion if the actress had wanted to stay. A good story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, WS, uh, WA Saunders says, a favourite of mine, even if the brilliant first episode sets up a premise that the remaining ones quite, uh, can't quite deliver on. Uh, a bit like the Android Invasion, a great setup which runs out of ideas, then throws logic out of the window. Yeah, that's a good way of summing <laughs> it up, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, uh, says, an enjoyable second Doctor story with good animation. I do think it could have been four eps rather than six. The chameleon concept provided a good storyline and the character performances were good. I particularly liked Sam and wish he had stayed with Jamie when Ben and Polly left. Mm. A 7 out of 10. P.S. Did anyone else notice what appeared to be the master in the Wanted poster in episode one? Perhaps just my imagination. No, it was definitely there. No, Gary spotted it. Defo. Yeah. Go go back and have a look for that, yeah thank you very much twitter followers and we had just a few over on facebook so martin arnold says delayed plane why not take this opportunity to be kidnapped by faceless aliens mm. the sights sound and probably smells of uh, heathrow uh, i think you mean gatwick uh, martin all wonderfully animated here in a classic that's probably a bit over long 
But I love these animated efforts. They are so charming. Not the greatest story in the world, but enjoyable nonetheless. Glad to, glad to have it preserved for the ages. Story equals seven, animation a nine. Oh, a nine. Cool, okay, cool. cool. Uh, David Paul Morgan says, I'll finish off what I started over on Twitter. Uh, I remember this one from when it was first broadcast. I was eight years old as a nipper. Oh, wow. Mm. Did you manage to uh, record these by any chance, David? <laughs> on VHS anyway. Yeah, uh, remembered as the first episode for Ben and Polly, although I don't remember it that well, and for being set at the real location of Gatwick, being London and Brighton. Uh, uh, it's quite a long review, but David goes on to say, um, uh, recalls the broadcast uh, and I've seen the telly snaps, uh, and I've also got the audio reversion with bridging narration. Mm. So I'm familiar with the program. I love the animation style here, and it's great fun looking at the animation backgrounds for Easter eggs. Uh, it goes on to give it uh, eight postcards from Spain out of ten. There we go. You see, some people like these eggs, yeah. Indeedy. And lastly, Charlie Turner says, a very creepy story, even if the animation, uh, even if it is animated, but it is better than nothing. Underrated as well that this is officially the second time that I've been creeped out by something in the classic series <laughs> uh, with the threat of the chameleons. And uh, Charlie goes on to give it a nine out of ten. Wow. Okay. Cheers, Charlie. good. Mm. Yeah. So thank you very much, guys, for sending in your... Your mini reviews and your scores out of 10, much appreciated. As always, we love hearing what you guys think of our review stories. Next week, dude, what have we got? Yeah, so we'll be back to Torchwood Children of Earth uh, next week and we'll be on day three. They are coming. Getting through them. Soon. <laughs> yep, day three. How many are in total? Was it five? five I think. I think yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll be over halfway of uh, Torchwood Series 3. So, um, yeah, that'll be uh, good to get back on that. And then we're over to Classic here again after that. So um, we're doing a bit of, because um, we've got so, we've got gone through pretty much all of the modern Doctor Who stories by, a, uh, uh, with the exception of a few um, two-parters and whatnot. Mm. Uh, we're just making this, op- we're taking this opportunity to get through a bunch of classic stuff because there's loads more of that than there is the modern stuff. So at the moment, the schedule is kind of uh, one week classic, one week Torchwood. And then we'll be back onto the modern stuff pretty soon. But but yeah, Children of Earth, day three next week. So get that watched because we'll be asking for your reviews as always on that one. Uh, I think we'll close there, dude, for three, four, one. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this week. That was episode 341. Sorry it was a week late. Completely down to me. Well, my neighbours last week, so that threw a spanner in last week, but we're back to finish up uh, and our review of the faceless ones. So yeah, six and a half and a seven, and you guys probably average out around a seven or eight, so uh, thank you very much for that. As Adam said, next week, Children of Earth from Torchwood Day 3. Get that watched, because we'll be asking for your thoughts and look out on the socials where we ask you to, to reply for that stuff. And in the meantime, remember to follow and subscribe to this podcast on your fave podcast app of choice. Just uh, do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast so you'll find us on there or there are links on the website. We'd love to have you as a regular listener so you won't miss a show when it lands every Friday. So head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of the apps on there for free as well. And there are links to go off to the socials. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Come and uh, give us a like and a follow over there so we can chat Doctor Who throughout the week in between episodes and we have a free discord server as well there's a link on the website hop over there it takes about 
22 and a half seconds to sign up I believe and uh, come and join a really cool community of other Who fans and, and get stuck in and chat Doctor Who over there also remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube it is of course the Geek's Handbag yes and in that wilderness week of us not being able to record I've uploaded a new video of Yay. my London Film and Comic Con vlog so go and have a look at that and all the other videos as well yes as, uh, as always grab a drink get comfy fire up Adam's YouTube channel and watch uh, some very cool videos there and he's on the socials too under the same name until next week my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember hey. Hey.